Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels here from the Santa Monica Studios, joined now by friend of the program. Uh, I think a lot of people know him as Coach of the Stars. By my count, 10 Grand Slam titles while you were in the coach's box. And you once had the longest Wimbledon doubles match, but I think that record's been broken. Uh, yeah, Paul unfortunately. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Always fun to be here and uh, getting to that big uh, kind of pinnacle of the clay court season in a couple of weeks huh yeah it's the, the road to Roland Garros is always my favorite time of year I think we're we're seeing a lot of great tennis the schedule's a little co- compact but the atmosphere the stops I think these are the tournaments the players want to see there's some cool destinations and we can start with this in Rome I don't think anything really beats this crowd because these people love tennis they're passionate they haven't had a full house in a while some of the atmospheres have been amazing, like that Marcos Caron win, where there's just fans that probably yeah. Yeah. don't know enough, don't know much maybe about his career, but just love to see a guy fight and compete out there. Yeah, the the Italian fans historically are amazing. There's so much passion, and uh, Foro Italico, the stadium and the grounds, is just uh, another place that's a landmark really in the tennis uh, landscape for all the players and the tennis family to be there. So it's fun to see the fans back there. Uh, I know the players love to go play there, and it's a great time of year, right? We just had a terrific week in Madrid, a lot of good stuff going on, and it's going to be really interesting to see the culmination of it in a few weeks at Roland Garros. So I think what a lot of people want to talk about is the fastest rising star on the men's side in a very long time, probably since these big three, big four guys came up, Carlos Alcaraz. Paul, he wins Madrid. He beats Nadal Djokovic back-to-back on clay. That's never been done before and 28 and three on the year uh with eight top 10 wins number two in the race you see something like this very rarely it's almost like that Haley's Comet feel and I'm just wondering what our expectations should be because it seems like we keep moving the goalposts in a good way where it was he's going to be a force he is a force but it'll eventually happen and now as a teenager he's the second favorite going into the Roland Garros tournament. Yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing. I mean, um, he, you know, we haven't seen a meteoric rise like this really since Rafa, and, mm-hmm. and it's been so long, and we weren't sure if we'd see it again, but this kid is something special, and he's done such an amazing job. And you mentioned beating uh, Rafa and Novak back-to-back. That just doesn't happen. So he's comfortable. Can he do it three out of five sets for seven mm-hmm. matches? Uh, talent-wise and skill-wise, absolutely. But with a teenager who's <laughs> yeah. never been through that environment before, very challenging. He's got a great environment with Juan Carlos Ferrero coaching him. They seem to have a terrific bond. But over two weeks at a major, I think it's a different kind of landscape for him uh, to process, but I don't see any reason why with that s- yeah. level of skill he can't do it. Those are very fair concerns. I've raised them. A bunch of really good, intelligent tennis people like yourself have raised them. It does seem like his demeanor and his mental side are the most impressive. They're further along than most people because there are, maybe not with his level of skill, but we've seen players come up with a lot of skill. His ability to stay in the moment, stay in the fight, 
I mean, he beat Djokovic in a three-and-a-half-hour match on clay. I know it wasn't a best-of-five, but that's the part where I'm like, maybe he is the one that could do it in best-of-five early in the game. Right, yeah. I mean, I think he definitely mm-hmm. can. Yeah. And I think that, um, look, I still think that the hardest thing, I think the hardest thing in sports is beating Rafa Nadal three out of five sets on clay. I still think that's the most yeah. difficult thing to do. Uh, Rafa's trying to play himself into tip-top shape, which is a challenge, but um, when you see what Carlos Alcaraz can do and the different ways he can hurt you, yeah. there's no reason that he can't uh, be successful even at Roland Garros already. The thing that's amazing is as a teenager, he makes such few mental errors. Mm. You know, there aren't a lot of shot selection decisions where you kind of scratch your head and go, that yeah. was ridiculous, which you see often with teenagers. He doesn't do that. Yeah. So when you see someone that's buttoned up already, plus has all those physical, uh, strategic, and tactical skills, it's pretty awesome. At one point on Rafa I want to make, because I agree, it might be the hardest thing in all sports. Uh, Mark Knowles said this, and I'm curious your thoughts. Do you think he's like the greatest competitor maybe we've ever seen in sport? I think so. Up there for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, look, you can always you can always say this, but there's no way you can't say he's not with the best in every sport that's yeah. ever played. Yeah. I've never seen anyone that has tried harder for every shot that they've hit. And mm-hmm. you can just, just walk by or turn on the TV and watch him practice, and it's the same thing. It's just every ball is hit like his life depends on it. And yeah. and that's the habit he created as a young child. And he and uh, Uncle Tony have cultivated that into what's routine for him. So he doesn't know any other way. Do you have any concerns with him going into this French Open with the miles, but also coming off the injury and maybe like the well-oiled machine that he is, not getting the full gambit of the routine of playing all those clay court tournaments? I, I do a little bit because Rafa's such a creature, a habit, and he loves to have... Uh, a lot of match wins under his belt. And obviously there's no better feeling than winning titles. And mm-hmm. he hasn't, he started the yeah. year off meteorically. And of course with the setback with the cracked rib, um, he hasn't been able to play the schedule mm-hmm. that he wants. So I think this week is important for him. I don't think it's do yeah. or die because I also think that Rafa's is so great. He can play his way into form at mm-hmm. Roland Garros because he can win a lot of matches at way below subpar for him. And then yeah. he'll get better as the tournament goes on. So uh, I'm not worried. I'm really not worried. Mm-hmm. I know it's not what he prefers, but um, look, the guy hasn't won 13 Roland Garros <laughs> yeah. for no reason. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, in you know, having a B B game, B plan, C plan has gotten him very far, even when his best isn't there. And I'm also just curious in your career and your coaching career, the rib injury is just doesn't doesn't seem like a tennis injury. Have you ever come across yeah, that? Yeah, and I've had it. Oh, I've you've actually, had it. I've actually had it. Um, I actually had it uh, a, a little bit of a cartilage issue um, in the rib cage, and you can get a lot of ways from from serving. You can also okay. get it with the way he hits his forehand. So the the torquing and stuff happens once in a while. I, I haven't had it that severe. Okay. I have not had a stress fracture in my rib. How do you think it like compromises what he's trying to do? Well, I think it's forward. so hard to swing. You know, yeah. I think he's in a he was in a lot of pain trying to swing because that's a lot <laughs> of stress, and especially the way he swings at it, mm-hmm. it's not real passive. So yeah. that's a lot of energy yeah. that's going through an area that's already compromised. But hopefully he maintains and, you know, continues to improve in terms of uh, his confidence. But now it's just about getting there and being healthy in my mind. Yeah, maybe it's compare. I mean, another golf guy I'm talking to here, Tiger Woods, had that issue with his swing kind of causing all that torque to him. Maybe it's the way these guys just put so much effort into it. It's a lot of velocity. (laughs) Yeah. 
uh, sticking with the theme of the three favorites going in, Novak Djokovic had the the long match against Alcaraz loses. He uh, has won a couple here. He's now seven and three after the, the win over Stan Marenka in Rome. So seven and three, getting that match repetition up, and actually going into this Roland Garros so far, he's the odds makers have him behind Nadal and even Alcaraz. So. I'm curious your thoughts on that, but also just him ramping himself up because it seems like each match he's looked better. This is a guy known for reinventing himself and for getting better and raising his level. What are your thoughts on that level of Novak so far? Yeah, I mean, he's he's fine. I think he's getting better and better as he, as he's playing. And, you know, these these are all-time greats. They're icons. They're not all of a sudden going to not be great. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, as long as they keep their composure and think their way through it, there's, you know, there's no reason... In my mind, you know, my mind, Rafa's the favorite, Novak's second, Mm -hmm. and Alcaraz is third. That's just my mind because they're no entity, they're known entities. And I put Alcaraz just behind those guys. But a lot can change. And as far as Novak is concerned, his form's getting better and better. And we saw it against Stan Wawrinka, he's hitting the ball really well. There is nobody like these two. You can throw Roger in there, of course, for sure. But currently right now, they will raise their level. They'll make adjustments. They'll see the the tape. Novak's a big analytics guy, as we know. So he's going to process what happened against Alcaraz. It was a great match that could have gone either way. And I also think that there's still no player like Novak who, you know, he can thrive in less than ideal elements. If the crowd's against him, if if things happen, he's so mentally tough that I think he should, and I agree, be that second favorite behind Rafa. Yeah, I, I think so. But look, you know, give Al- mm-hmm. Alcaraz, yeah. you know, he's right there. But yeah. just because it's un- an unknown, that's right. why I, right. I put him a little bit behind those guys at, at the moment. But a lot can happen. That's why there's seven <laughs> matches at a major. We'll see what happens the rest of the week uh, in, in Rome, and we'll see who comes out on top there. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Paul Anacone here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Plenty of storylines as we go into Roland Garros on both sides of the tour. None better right now than, than we've seen in Iga Sviantec. Paul, 25 straight wins, four tournament win streaks. He's got nine bagels, six love sets in 2022. And I looked this up, 25 straight wins is the fifth longest, tied with Serena Williams, one of Serena Williams's runs for fifth longest match win streaks on the WTA tour since the turn of the century. That's oh, amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. And when Ash Barty unexpectedly said, I've had enough, you know, we wondered what was going to happen. And Iga Fiontek has shown us what's going to happen. She has uh, been just incredible this year. So dominant. You talk about the four tournaments in a row and 25 straight matches. She's done it in, in a lot of different ways. We know she's great on the clay. We've seen her do it on hard courts now. We've seen that she's not afraid to come to the net and finish points. She continues to strive to get better. With me, someone that's so young, I believe she's still 20 years old, there's a lot to manage going into a major, especially on a streak like this. But in terms of how she's playing level-wise, I don't know how you can't pick her as really a prohibitive favorite for Roland Garros. Well, there's two sides of it, right? Like she, and the fact that she took the mantle, Ash Barty withdrew herself from the rankings Ego would have been number one. Like she had the points to do it after winning Miami. She is the one side of it in terms of she's continually evolving her game, as you said, doing it in different ways. And again, the mental approach at, at her age, like she comes into a tournament 
after winning one and it's back to business as usual, there's no, it's, it's human nature to maybe feel pretty good and not, you know, hit the ground running. And it's not affecting her whatsoever. Yeah. She's staying in the moment incredibly well. And then that's what you have to do. And, you know, Rafa always says what's, what's happened has happened. All that matters <laughs> yeah. is the next. And, and if Sviante can keep yeah. in that model in mind, I think she'll be doing a good, she'll be doing herself a good yeah. service because you can't get too far ahead of yourself. And that's what the great players do at the majors. All they do is one point at a time and one match at a time. She's a Rafa fan, obviously, and she's built like him in a lot of ways uh, with her mindset, especially. The other side is we just unfortunately don't have that challenger right now. I don't know if you see anyone that you're maybe not challenging Iga for the major necessarily, but it's building on things. Anj Jabor wins the big title in Madrid. We're seeing some better play from Bianca Andrescu, who plays Iga tomorrow as we record this. So those players, anybody else you're seeing on the women's tour that's building some things? Yeah, I, I think those are, you know, I, I'm so happy to see Andrescu back playing yeah. terrific tennis, right? I mean, she's such a great uh, player, and she's had to battle some tough injuries. So it'll be interesting, as you said, uh, as we're talking here tomorrow, to see how those two mm -hmm. kind of match up because she's someone that can be very dangerous, Andrescu. Yeah. I also think, don't forget about Sakari, who, you know, can, has come close a number of times, getting yeah. better and better in the big events. Um, but look, the last number of years in the women's game, we've seen so many different winners and so many different storylines. Yeah. So I think it's going to be an opportunity and, and there's still, you know, there's probably, you know, eight to 15 players that can be there or thereabouts at yeah. the latter stages of the tournament. Sakari up uh, an early break on Coco Goff as we record this. If she wins, she was a semifinalist last year, had match points, uh, against the eventual winner, Barbara Kujikova. So there's a chance there. I do want to give a shout-out to, she didn't win the tournament, but Jesse Pagula's year, uh, cumulative, cumulative couple of years, uh, she gets to the final of Madrid. She's put in a lot of work, and she's throwing her hat in the race. I mean, Danielle, Danielle Collins is a number one-ranked American, but what Pagula's done has been kind of the model of consistency on this women's tour. Yeah, no, Jesse's playing great tennis, and getting to the finals last week and feeling comfortable at the top of the game is what a progression it's been from her. It's, it's been amazing to watch. And, and I, I think that, uh, you know, it's actually good for her to have a little bit of a breather going into Roland Garros because she's played a ton of matches. Um, but yeah, she's, she should be there or thereabouts. And, and you just mentioned Coco mm -hmm. Goff as well. Yeah. We keep, you know, I'm a big believer in not putting too much pressure on her, but we can't help it because <laughs> she's so good. She's someone also that could do really well. I, uh, I did want to ask you about um, one of the unfortunate trends. Maybe it's unfortunate. Maybe it's a scheduling thing. There's been some retirements on tour. Do you think that, you know, it's kind of getting to the point of the schedule maybe being a little compact that's been being brought up? Players have kind of pulled the ripcord, as they say. Do you think this is an issue or it's just one of those things that tends to happen? I think it always is. I, we've talked about it for a long time. I think it's really tough in particular to have two huge events like Madrid and Rome and then Roland Garros right after that it's really hard but look you know the tennis calendar it is a crazy traveling mm -hmm. circus that we're part of and it's really difficult to let people uh, have people release their proprietary ownership <laughs> of things yeah. so that the calendar makes sense and it's just I think kind of a, a hazard of our environment but the best players find ways to manage it and put themselves in situations where they can play the most important tournaments in their mind at the highest levels. Well, I can't wait to see Andrescu uh, Svantec, uh play tomorrow and see if Bianca can maybe test her, see what happens. Uh, Paul, before we wrap this up, it's been a blast talking tennis with you. Got to talk to you about the working relationship with Taylor Fritz and the breakthrough he's made 
um, got this right here. I want to show you just a little photo of sure. the two of you guys working together. Right. Indian Wells was the biggest breakthrough of his life. It was a roller coaster. Makes me want to see the documentary footage that Netflix was filming there personally. But, <laughs> you know, he beats Ruff in the final. Both guys were battle tested and wounded there. But if you could just talk about the process of all the work that went in, the ups and downs, and how we're in Rome. Rome wasn't built in a day that winning a big title doesn't happen overnight. There's a lot of hard yards and hard work put into it. Absolutely. And, and you know, Taylor's been doing this for a number of years now. And I think it kind of started uh, the week before Indian Wells last year, last fall. He started, you know, really starting to understand. I think he's such a perfectionist. It was hard for him to be comfortable winning playing average tennis without mm -hmm. denting his confidence. And, and now I think he's understanding that, you know, if I play the right way and I play average and I think my way through, I can not only win matches, but I can win those matches and not lose confidence. Yeah. And that's basically, in my opinion, what's been the evolution. Um, when he plays well, he can beat anybody. But what he's done in this last eight months is learned how to play okay and still win. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then on top of that, not worry about, uh-oh, is my level gone? Right. And that's one of the biggest steps every player has to uh, kind of go through to get from decent to good, good to very good, and very good to great. Right. And so Taylor's made that transition, and now he has to continue working hard because there's still a lot of stuff that he needs to work on to get better. I thought the Australian Open run was a low-key part of this because he had an epic match. He won a couple matches, and then the Sitsipas match, he's right there. And I know a loss stings, and you're not happy with any form of losing, but you got in the back of your mind think, I was right there, could have easily won this match with the, with a top five guy. Yeah, no, and that's exactly what he did think. Yeah. You know, he got to the second week for the first time, but also felt like that match could have been his mm -hmm. if he did a couple things differently. So when you start to feel, it's easy to say <laughs> I belong there, but when you start to feel that you don't have to play outside of your comfort zone and you're outside yeah. of your skill set and talent level yeah. and you can press the top guys, that's yeah. when it all happens. And I think that's where he is now. He doesn't yeah. try to overplay and he understands his game. Now it's a matter of just managing it and continue to try to get better in the areas that he needs to. I love that quote where you said he's one of the most strong-willed people I know. It could be good and bad, but it's a no, lot it is. of good. It's, I, I look, yeah. and, and he knows this. We yeah. kid about it yeah. all the time. I mean, that's his biggest blessing and probably his biggest curse as yeah. well. And it's trying to manage yeah. that. But I'll tell you what, it really helps him when he gets in tough situations on the court because he Absolutely. is a dogged competitor, yeah. and uh, he's not going to go away. Yeah, and the Francis match in Australia before that where he was battling cramps, and it was just it was good too. Well, then the next stage, I mean, top-ranked American, number 14 in the rankings, the next stage, is it? Getting to that top 10 consistent in majors and then a year-end final appearance? Yeah, I mean, that's, look, you want to, I'm not yeah. a huge um, result-oriented mm -hmm. goal guy. I'm more yeah. of a process-oriented person. And Taylor and I talked about it yesterday, and he would love to finish the year in the top 10 and love to knock on the door and get into the year-end finals. And that's great. That's healthy. Mm -hmm. um, but to me, I try to focus on what he needs to do to give himself mm -hmm. that opportunity. Right. And uh, I think it's realistic. Whenever you put yourself in this situation, and you look at how many wins he's had versus top 15 players in the last kind of eight or nine months, there's no reason it shouldn't be part of his, his realistic viewpoint. Now, the question as his coach for me is, okay, how do we get there? What do we need to do to yeah. achieve that? And luckily, Michael Russell um, is, is on our team now as well, and he's done such a great job Good, yeah. you know, kind of driving the bus of the coaching to do all this. David Nankin's put in a ton of time over the years laying the foundation, so Taylor has great people around him. 
uh, uh, Wolfgang Oswald, his physio. So he really has people that understand what he needs to do to get to those levels. Now it's day in, day out practicing it and understanding how to react in a pragmatic way and just go through the process yeah. without having an emotional roller coaster to deal with in terms of your viewing of what's happening. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it before in your overarching thoughts, like talent can only get you so far, you have to buy in. He's clearly done that, and it's been a pleasure to see. So, uh, you know, best of luck with that. I know it's it's been a fun experience. He's still so young and coming up. Uh, last thing on this topic, uh, the American tennis pool. The depth is on the men's side. I mean, the, women's have kind of, the women have kind of been there, but starting to see the depth kind of emerge. And, and uh, I'm curious your thoughts, like if you see it the same way and what you think has been maybe the reason why there's more young Americans ranked higher. Well, I think a lot of it is cyclical. I've always said that, you know, for a couple of different eras, I've said that, and I believe it. I don't say it as cliche. I just think it goes through cycles. And now we're in a good cycle. And biggest reason for me is you get um, a handful of players and an really optimum talent level and they push each other we mm. saw it with the women before the men so now when you see a group like fritz opelka tommy paul and foe coming through just to name a mm -hmm. few they push each other you know marcus yeah. giron and mackie mcdonald um, a little bit older went through the college pathway which by the way is an awesome pathway to go through they're there as well and now all of a sudden you have jensen brooksby um and brandon nakashima and who one more who am i forgetting said you jensen. said foe jensen opelka um jensen brandon jensen, i know and brandon i'm trying to remember come on Fritz. mitch i'm, 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 I'm working the old guy. i know i'm working okay jensen uh corda did you mention yeah, him corda yeah, okay god that would have yeah. been a bad one that would horrible sorry seb that's ridiculous <laughs> yeah. yeah anyway so i did you a little but so you have seb and and, and jensen and and brandon who are a little younger mm -hmm. but you have a threesome there and then you have mm -hmm. to force them a little bit older and so they're they're pushing each other yeah. you have seven names right there that are so young with a ton of talent it's really hard for them not to get better and yeah. and, and i think when you see that um, it's really encouraging. And I, yeah. I'm not going to be surprised to see a few people in the top 15 by the end of the year. I remember Tommy Paul telling me that exact thing you just said. Like you watched Taylor Fritz do well and you watched Francis Tiafoe's run at Australia. And he's like, I want that. Right. And that, that does push you and it breeds it. And I think that era especially is creating good younger tennis players too. And I love that. And also, Paul, that players aren't playing the same way. You get a Brooksby up there that plays a little unconventional. Sure. You know, Opelka's a different cat as well. And you've got Taylor playing in a way that's unique. I, I love that too. There's variety and they can all play their own game and not be kind of created in a lab type player. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, look, it, so many things in terms of optimism boxes are checked with this group mm -hmm. of players. And now we just got to let them play and continue mm -hmm. to grow and develop and push each other. Because they're not only are they terrific talents, you know, their their heads are wrapping around the environment that they're in now, and they're doing it in a really good way. So we're going to see a lot of good things from the young Americans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Paul Anacone on Tennis Channel Inside In. This has obviously been a blast. Uh, last thing I have for you as we go into the latter stages of Rome, last big tournament for Roland Garros. 
do you see anything that could shift the paradigm of we have a big three on the men's side, we have Iga's prohibitive favor. Any results this week a run by a man or a woman that you think could shift that? No, only an injury. Only yeah, someone, yeah. you know, which I don't want anybody to get injured. Mm-hmm. But uh, other, you know, if there's no injury, I still stand by, you mm-hmm. know, Rafa, Novak, Alcaraz, my top three, and mm-hmm. then the women, I see Iga and everybody else. Yeah. Even if, if, if Iga loses to... Uh, to BB Andrescu and and BB go on, goes on and wins the tournament and stays healthy, then you have a nice conversation. But I see Iga is a little bit ahead of everyone right now. On the men's side, a, a run by Sitsipas. I'd be sure. curious to see he plays center tomorrow. That he he beat him pretty handily in Australia, but that's no no easy foe, especially in it in Italy. Uh, Zverev's still around, and I'm just I love this. I don't know what the serve issue is, but it just keeps creeping back up at the worst times with him. Yeah, no, look, he's a great player. Yeah. Zverev's a great player, and he's right yeah. behind. I would put Sitsipas and Alcaraz yeah. kind of in the same conversation, yeah. and, and maybe Sasha Zverev right there as well. So there's another group of three behind, you know, Rafa and Novak. Um, you know, look, it's going to be so much fun, and that's yeah. what I love about the majors. I love the majors the first few days. The best. You see all kinds of stuff going on, best. and you see the upsets and great players having to figure things out in adversity. So for me, I just can't wait. The year they put lights up uh, for the night courts was like the coolest thing ever. I, I was in awe, enamored by it. And you know what I'm going to be praying for uh, from every night until the French Open draw comes out is just let's just separate these guys. Yeah. I don't want to see a loaded draw. I'll be praying for it there. Uh, but Paul Anacone, thanks for coming on Tennis Channel Inside In. Uh, you're still the only guy that's a guy or girl that has ever said the name Chico Resch on the show. So Really? <laughs> so okay, good. I props guess, there. I like that. That's and good. Uh, in all seriousness, i uh, got to say congrats. Daughter got married. Congratulations to you and the family. Uh, that's great. It was a great weekend with Olivia and uh, had a terrific time and a new chapter for her life. Looking forward to new it. New chapter. You celebrated and right back to work. Here we go. Here back we to go. the grind. Paul, best of luck on uh, Coach and Taylor, all your broadcasting duties here, and uh, we'll be catching up soon. Appreciate it, Mitch. Thanks. That was Paul Anacone on Tennis Channel Inside In. We'll be back next week. New episode, Countdown to Roland Garros, continues. Check us out on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Go to tennis.com slash podcast for the entire catalog. For Paul Anacone, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>